Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast growling. Paul Inner Jr. here with you, and uh, this is our special off-season specialty show series um, where we're just kind of going through some stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path, and to be honest, kind of just doing shows we want to do, and we're, we're in the dead period of the NFL off-season where everybody's on vacation, including us, uh, so stuff that we have been wanting to do that just it's hard to find time to do during the season and draft and free agency and everything else. Uh, so this is one of those. And I'm really excited about this one. Um, this is somebody who has, uh, you know, become somebody who's, who's become a friend around here and I love talking to. And, and I thought for a while, man, I just, I really need to get him on the podcast because it's a very interesting part of, the sports world, and he's become that. And on top of his regular job, he's Josh Sneed. If you don't know Josh, you should. Uh, he's an owner of Cincy Shirts. Of course, he's been a stand-up comedian for two decades now, um, and based here in Cincinnati. And you know, Cincy Shirts and and having a shirt made in the uh, aftermath of a big moment or a big win or even the opposite of that has become such a business, and it's so interesting to see. Um, it, it's fun to talk about. And then, you know, somebody with unique perspective on being a Cincinnati sports fan who's just funny and uh, and a, a joy to talk to. I always enjoy conversation, so I wanted to take this opportunity to bring this one to you. Uh, so here is uh, my conversation with comedian and Cincy Shirts owner, Josh Sneed. Josh, how are we doing? I'm doing great, man. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm super. Uh, I'm super excited. With this. I, I I kind of like you know. So we had uh, Bobby Slattery, my my guy, optimistic Bobby, owner of Fifty West, also on here. And just I just filling this with people I like to talk to. And uh, optimism is a is a great trait. It is uh, <laughs> it is a ne- a necessary trait for any Cincinnati sports fan. Because well, I feel like as a Cincinnati sports fan, and we'll get into this a little bit. Like you go one of two ways. You either are just constantly like Bobby. You're just on the optimistic end, and you're just there because there's no other choice. Like it's all you've got to hold on to, or you embrace the suck, as I like to say, and you just find happiness in the bad. It makes you happy when teams are bad, when situations get bad, when you're waiting for the worst. And that's no way to go through life necessarily. But I do think that there's a vast majority of Cincinnati fans that sort of like, you know, that's just kind of the way I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, I'm probably the prior, the former 
I try to be optimistic regardless. I mean, I just feel like what good is it to not hope that they win or that they're going to turn it around or that they're going to have a good year or that next year will be different. Like, like what is the use of being a fan if you don't believe that, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm the Reds fan that's watching, uh, you know, in the past anyway, like 14 inning games on the West coast in late August when they're 11 games out of first place, you know, like that's just in my nature. And honestly, like I'm trying to set an example for my kid on how to be a good fan, you know, yeah, uh, and just appreciate the experience versus hanging your emotions on every win and loss. Um, I want them to win. I want them to win it all. I want them to be competitive. It's, it's fun. The city's more fun when the teams are competitive business for me personally, it's Cincy shirts is better when our teams are competitive, but you know, I think I always try to remind myself that when I was a kid, like going to a Reds game was a, a treat, you know, it's very special. It wasn't a everyday thing. It was maybe a couple times a year if we were lucky. And I remember everything about being at the ballpark with my dad or my family and never about who won any of those games. And so, like, that's just what I'm trying to do, as corny as it sounds with my kids, of just, like, just enjoy, like, being here. Do you remember the first time you walked in the ballpark? I guess what would have been, I assume if it's like me, like Riverfront Stadium, do you remember? I don't remember the first time I have, like, I hate that too, because I feel like a lot of people go, Oh yeah. The first game I ever went to, I just have numerous memories of getting to go to Reds games. You know, it seemed like every year I would get some kind of like, like good grade free ticket. I was in the Reds Pepsi dugout club. (laughs) uh, And I would, that would come with like a game. I always and thought then, the straight A kids should have got better seats. <laughs> like I, it never made sense. Like they're always up in like the upper bowl, you know, and yeah. like right field. It's like I mean, these kids worked all year to get these tickets. You can't, you can't give them something halfway decent, especially when there are sections of empty seats yeah. below them. <laughs> right? it just, yeah, just banks of empty seats, and then all of a sudden, like a hundred and fifty <laughs> kids in yellow t-shirts. That's right. Um, <laughs> With their gloves, yeah, like the, like like anyone's ever gonna hit a ball up there, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, you know, and there were certain nights that my my dad knew that I really wanted to go. I don't I don't know how old you are. I'm 44, but I I remember <laughs> I remember games where you used to get a bat as a souvenir, like a full blown. <laughs> bat <laughs> can you imagine you know we're like like kids these days they get their their two dollar bobbleheads or whatever you used to get they were red bats that were uh sponsored by kool-aid i have one over here in, in outside my office and uh like anything that was like a big giveaway like that which was maybe twice a year or something my i would get to go to the, that game and then my dad would always organize for our church to go where they would like sell 30 tickets to the church. And then everybody would pile into this big giant blue church bus that used to be a school bus and go to the game. And he usually tried to do the Dodger uh, double header games. Remember like when double headers were a thing. Yeah. 
so we'd usually get to see like two games yeah. that day. But that was it. Usually every year was just a handful of games. And and I just remember I remember the first opening day that I went to it was the only the only time my uh, mom let me miss school to go to opening day because my neighbor's mom got three tickets and she took me and him. And I remember that day because I was such a sucker for the souvenir plastic cups at the Reds game. <laughs> and <laughs> and at the end of the opening day game, like everyone left their cup behind and I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so me and my neighbor went around and I must have collected 150 plastic souvenir cups and brought them <laughs> home and my mom was like what are you doing like we can't keep these this, this isn't drinkware you know for the house like just because they were free you know they're covered in beer and peanuts and all kinds of stuff but i remember that day specifically yeah did you ever go to Bengals games i went to i think i went to two as a kid one was against the Jets. It was absolutely freezing cold. And uh, I remember that. And then my dad took me one other time. And that was really it for Bengals games until I was, like, out of college. And then I got to take my dad a couple times. Um, we were at the game. The last game I went to with my dad was the Packers game where um, – the guy knocked the ball out of Brett Favre's hand. Oh, wow. Do you, do you yes. remember that game? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Runs, so on, runs on the field. Yeah. yeah. We're in the end zone that he's running towards. And like, like everybody starts to lose their mind. And I don't know if you remember, like he's at the, he's at the like 10. He gets tackled pretty good right towards the goal. Yeah. Well, two security guards from both sides of the field run and he like stops and they collide with each other and fall down. And he and the place loses it, and then he's <laughs> almost to the goal line, and he gets murdered at like the two or something. He doesn't score, but it was like I'll never forget that day either. Yeah, no, I I always find it funny, like the difference in because I always tell people I'm like don't don't take your kids to to don't. NFL game. Like I always recommend preseason games are great for kids to get to be there. They can see it live. There's no intensity in the stands. There's a lot of empty seats. They're cheap. Go to preseason games with your kids. Yeah. It's too intense. <laughs> it's just yeah. too intense and like alcohol fueled to go to NFL games with with kids. Like there's just a certain level you've got to be able to be at in order to really do it. <laughs> As opposed to baseball, where there's just this lore of being five and walking in and seeing. And I just I always am the dynamics of the two sports that you you know you grow up with and it's probably different for kids these days. But I, I'm always uh, it's always so, so crazy to me the the drastic difference between the two. Hundred percent. I actually use the jerk line to call on people who bring their kids to the game. <laughs> Get this guy out of here. He, what, he's, what kind of parent what is, is he? A terrible parent. He needs to go. <laughs> You're right, though. You're right, Derek. And, um, and FC Cincinnati, honestly, is now probably somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not as crazy as the Bengals in terms of, like, alcohol-fueled and obscenities, you know, Uh but it's certainly it's certainly a, a much more wild environment than uh, than baseball. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you about 
through the Cincy shirts thing, like when a moment happens. So particularly like we see it a lot, we're in, we're in red season now and they have been a gold mine for that this year. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's just seems like every, you know, every week there's some new crazy thing that happens. And uh, which by the way, are we going to get Mo's face on cup stack or is it just going to continue to be the Mr. Red's outline? I'd like to see one with Mo's actual face on it. Well, Mo has earned it for sure. I mean, <laughs> like, like a little backstory here. I don't know if you know, but like Mo was an essential part of the the launch of our company as it existed in the beginning before it was even Cincy shirts. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we were, you know, we started out as like a funny t-shirt company and the, the point was that my business partner and I, Darren, we, he, we would both think of ideas He's an art school graduate, so he would do the designs, and then I would try to sell the shirts on the road doing stand-up. So I'd wear them to like morning radio shows, and you know, people would be like, "Oh, Randy Watson, I love coming to America," and I'm like, "Oh, we I actually made this shirt, you know," and that's how I would get my free plugs, and that's how <laughs> we started. But we always had like a small section of Cincinnati stuff. Um, even though we were trying to sell it as a national brand. And the first time that we ever got local press was our shirt that said, even God hates the Steelers. <laughs> and so um, once we started to get some, some local notoriety, I was trying to build off of that. And I, I would listen to Lance in the afternoons um, talk about his blog. And every time he mentioned the blog, he would mention 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And he was plugging the blog all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I actually reached out about sponsoring um, the the blog when Mo had the morning show with Greg Doyle, because I thought we could do it for their show. And so one night randomly, they were doing a, a broadcast from like Cadillac Ranch downtown or something. And Darren and I just showed up with a big stack of t-shirts to, to pass out. And that was the first day that I met him, but he and I became friends after that. And then he's been such a champion for us ever since, you know, obviously he and I are friends, but like, I love that he'll, he'll say since he shirts needs a, needs a shirt for this immediately and yeah. people latch on to it. And it's, it's done so much for us personally. So anything Mo wants, Mo gets well. I I tell you what, I will make sure. I I feel like there's at least there's at least once every two or three Bengals games where I always have that thought. Since he shirts needs a shirt for this, it seems like it does happen. So I, we'll we'll make sure we keep that track running this year. You guys have the OTR location has like make it on site now, right? Yeah, and Hyde Park will have that here in a couple weeks. That's like such a cool thing because so many people have any number of things they've seen on the website or whatever, and you just roll in and be like, can you make me one of those in that color? And it's like, Shh, there you go, which is yeah. awesome. It's um, it's changed our, our company, honestly, uh, you know, because we started doing that for our website orders where there was print on demand, you know, so we didn't have to carry like, crazy inventory of all these different designs and for you know like i love that wade miley threw a no hitter but people are going to want that shirt for about 72 hours right <laughs> so it's nice to be able to print however many we sell um 
and and then move on to whatever the next thing is. And baseball is such a perfect sport for that because there's 162 games, there's 162 chances for something fun to happen. You know, like our our hot seller right now is the the social media from like Tucker Barnhart and Kyle Farmer and all these guys who who are renting scooters wherever they go, mm-hmm. and they call themselves the Riders. So we did like a, you know, when they're on, when they get on base, they kind of go like this. That's their little hand mm-hmm. signal and like they're on a motorcycle. And, um, and so we did a shirt just for them and they're posting it on social and people are buying it. I, that's not going to sell, you know, forever. So it's nice to have that capability. So, you know, we can do that for any of our designs. When people come in the store, if there's something that they want, we don't have, we can print it. And they can also, they can email us a photo from their phone. Uh, right there. And we can put a photo from their phone onto a shirt while they wait. And it's a, it's such a fun technology and it's really something different that I, that nobody else around here is doing. So it's, uh, it's cool to see that people are taking to it. Yeah. Uh, congrats on the farmer's only shirt as well, by the way, <laughs> big fan, big so fan dumb. of farmer's only. <laughs> so dumb. That's, but that's the other beauty of it is like, you can throw any idea you have against the wall. And if one sells, you'd print one. You know, in yeah. a farmer's only shirt with Kyle Farmer at every position <laughs> on the diamond. That's a very niche audience. It's a very niche for. audience. But you know what? That's uh those you mean to tell how happy those two people are? Like yeah. <laughs> And it's Kyle's that. mom and dad. Those yeah. are the two people. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's great. Also, uh, shout out my my wife wanted to make sure she she thanked you uh, for your cicada shirt. She she wanted to get the most out of the cicada run. She had the uh, uh, here for a good time, not a long time shirt, which that is, was my favorite one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, I mean, she was wearing it pretty much every day. It was in the it was in the laundry every day so that it could be worn the next day to get the most out of this run uh, of it. And I mean, it would get a comment every single place we would go somebody would make a comment it was great cicada was like a boom for you guys <laughs> it really was <laughs> and and it was uh it actually ended up being much like the life of a cicada where where, <laughs> where you saw you saw the eight designs that lived and there's probably a thousand designs that didn't make it yeah <laughs> well and we'll have them saved for 17 years from now all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor You know, I want to. I had. I was kind of going through some of the Bengals because you guys have a big season for the Bengals coming up. There's a lot of, you know, you've got you've got Burrow. There's always stuff that can happen with him. You know, Um, you've you've got now with these these with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I have there is a there is a a Bengals employee who floated the idea by me of the about the idea of JTT with Jamar T and Tyler and. You know, it's right in your wheelhouse of Jonathan Taylor Thomas and something from the '90s being part of. Whether it's just a picture of him, you know, or whatever it is, but <laughs> I'm not sure. I just want to drop that in there as a nugget that okay. was said to I me like it. And with a JTT tie-in that could possibly play off for all the uh, all the '90s folks uh, that are around here. Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's no idea that's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we've learned. I mean, there's been designs where we're like, we're gonna sell. 10,000 of these and we sell five. And then there's ones where like, we're going to sell five of these and we sell a thousand. Like it's crazy that we still haven't figured out what's going to resonate and what's going to take off, you know? Yeah. But, um, 
football is the hardest one for us because the NFL is so protective of its players. You know, we have a major league baseball players association license. We have an MLS players association license. So we're doing everything that we want through, through those licenses and football is like, you can have like two or three players before you're required to have a license. So we have to be very choosy on what we do and have the player buy into it. Uh, that's like the other hardest part. Um, but football is a tough one anyway, because it seems like the baseball crowd and even the soccer crowd, they wear t-shirts, they wear them to the games because there's so many games and the, the football crowd, typically they're buying jerseys or wearing jerseys to the game, or it's a time of year where they're bundled up, you know, and, and t-shirts aren't, you know, and we obviously do hoodies and that sort of thing, but, um, it's a, it's for sure been a tougher sell unless it's just something that is a, such a no brainer, like drafting Joe Burrow or, you know, things like that, that where the whole city is talking about it and everybody's going to want the t-shirt for it. Uh, a few that were up there from the past that I enjoyed was uh, the the onesie of I made a Cleveland in my diaper is a nice it's a nice gift for a Bengals fan that has a kid you know what I mean like it's just it's simple it's about poop you know it's good yeah like <laughs> uh, I I always liked seize the man a lot like I I I thought it was it encapsulated like kind of that era you know where yeah. they were trying to reinvent themselves uh, but they just you know it just yeah, was exactly what it was, and it's yeah. always interesting because you guys, when the team stinks, there's there's stuff there too. Like there's definitely. I'm curious actually if if the the stuff when they stink sells better than the stuff when they actually are playing good. For the Bengals, for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. and um, again, I'm a fan. I'm a season ticket holder, and so sometimes I have to like literally weigh that of like, how bad do I want to trash the team to make a buck versus you know like upsetting someone there but one of the best sell like when back in the day when they were constantly in prison <laughs> um <laughs> that we, a fact. We, you can look I it mean, up seriously like they like led the league in arrest yeah. or whatever um you know we did one that was like the Bengals b but instead of stripes it was like a jail door um <laughs> that was like it, it was almost kind of hard to see but it like at a quick glance you wouldn't notice it but if you look closer you did so we had that one we had um, it was called uh, and I, I I've never met the man I but you know uh, it was Mike Brown's new hat and it was basically it was a picture of a fedora and it said Paul and then it was a picture of a paper grocery bag with the eye holes cut out and underneath it it said Mike so it was like a tale of two hats. <laughs> um, I mean, look yeah. if 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 seasons got if if it got bad enough. I mean, I don't. Have you guys ever tapped into the paper bag market? I mean, I feel like that's <laughs> that's got some selling potential as well. There's probably there are probably uh, vendors out there who could provide us with the pre eye hole cut paper bag. <laughs> it's always it's always a silly. But you're you're right. Like football is is so different. But it's like you know it's but it still sort of becomes of itself this own like if a team if a team starts playing really well like those things that do you guys have sessions where you sit down and come up with them or is it just like a text or a call like how would that come about we have a google hangout 
chat, like text chat that is active 365 days a year, nearly 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And it consists of me and my partner, uh, all of our designers, whether they are full-time or freelancers. And then um, like our social media, uh, the girl who handles our social media stuff. So we're constantly in contact. If something is going on, whether it's a game, I mean, last night, you know, we were all in the chat up until the, you know, Sano hit the home, uh, hit the home run uh, in Minneapolis. And it's great for brainstorming. We, we joke that a lot of times that some of, if people could read where an idea starts versus where it actually gets flushed out or stuff that is obviously too risque, but you still make the joke in the chat, you know, that, uh, you know, you can't do it, but it's, it's way funnier than whatever you actually end up putting out. It's a, it's a very entertaining process that I think people would enjoy being a fly on the wall for, but, um, but yeah, it's literally just a brain dump. Okay. This happened. Everybody's talking about this. What do you got? When the Christmas tree was delivered on fountain square last year, (laughs) And, and it started to like get a little bit of a buzz even outside of Cincinnati. We're like, all right, what's, is, is there a shirt here? And we had it within hours of that story breaking available online. And uh, I think like you, like you kind of reference, like it's fun that people start to look to us of like what Cincy shirts going to do when there's something that everyone's talking about. Like, I'm very, I'm very proud that we've reached that level. Yeah, and absolutely have, which is which which makes it even more fun. You guys are inside of GAVP now, uh, yeah. which is really cool, you know, having that that merch in there. Was that something that they approached you about or Well, you know, we've <laughs> we've been um banging, dancing been on not that banging line. on their door. Have you been just banging on <laughs> shaking the gates like <laughs> Well, for a long time the rule and I don't know that it was an internal rule or a league rule, but it was, if it wasn't MLB licensed, it couldn't be in the team shop or sold on at any of like the, the shops on property. And then at some point they started allowing MLB players association license apparel, even if it wasn't featuring like the team's marks. And so once that happened, then our goal became get an MLB players association license and Aaron Harang and Danny Graves and a couple former reds were very instrumental in getting us in front of the players association. Um, and once we actually had a meeting with them and sat down and show them what we tried to do, they were very intrigued by at that time, no other company was able to turn around these designs that fast. And, baseball is such a onto the next game kind of sport that, you know, the Majestics and the Nikes and companies like that, they're buying stuff from them that they're going to have in, you know, all-star 2022 right now. And so for us to be like, we'll have the shirt on the website tonight. Mm-hmm. And that was intriguing to them. And once we, once we secured that license in a year where baseball didn't start playing until August, of course, uh, you know, it was like a terrible year to, to launch a sports brand. Yeah. Um, once, once we got the ball rolling there, uh, 
we were able to get a meeting with the people at the ballpark and, and finally get our first stuff in there a few weeks ago. And they've already, they're on their fourth order now, which is very cool. Yeah. That is awesome. About two weeks. That is awesome. So if you're at, if you're at a Reds game, you can, you can swing through there and and check out all the stuff that's there, including the, 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 the Nick Castellanos legend shirt. I, 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 it's just, it's just per, I I enjoy that one a lot. Uh, And I hope to hang on to him. Yeah. (laughs) He's been pretty, he's been good for business. He's been good for business, but he's also so fun to watch, you know, like we just, we need that guy, man. We need somebody with like personality and swagger, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of that in some of the other guys, Vado's starting to show it. Winker's been showing it, but man, if you just have a guy with that kind of confidence and what's fun is like, whenever we put out a new Castiano shirt, the first order is always his mom. <laughs> always his mom. And it's awesome. She's got all of them. That's great. Yeah. That is so fantastic. You know, it's like if you get, can get players shirts, you get the same feeling with Burrow. Like it's the same swagger feel. Um, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a shame that, that, that it's hard to get with the players there because, you know, the, the shot of the way he just brazenly put his knee out there with the, with the scar down, if you saw it when they did the yep. uniform, like yep. I just thought, I was like, that is the swaggiest Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, here it is. <laughs> here it is. You want to see it? Take a look. I'm going to play with this. I'm going to put up huge numbers on it. Like, it's just like, he's man. such a, <laughs> such a, like, and you've, you've met him, I'm sure, right? You've yeah. met him. Well, I sort of met him. As much as they yeah. let us get near him anymore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I mean, like, I should say you've been around him more than like what everyone else sees on TV. Like he's such a rare blend of like good guy, but also confident and doesn't come across as arrogant. Like he's like playful, but also determined. Like, I don't know. Like I haven't seen that in on a, on a Bengals player in a long time of like, it's always one extreme or the other. Like he's a really nice guy. He's terrible in yeah. football, <laughs> you know, or he's an absolute jerk, but he's a beast on the field. It seems like we've had a lot of, of one of those two traits. So I'm excited to, I would love to actually meet him. He just seems like such a solid dude. And, you know, we did that shirt when he got drafted. It was just the picture of him smoking the cigar um, mm-hmm. after the national championship game when, when everybody kind of knew the Bengals were going after him. And, uh, you know, we were trying to get a hold of him to just say like, Hey, you know, we would love to donate some of, some of the money from this shirt somewhere. If, if you wanted to go to your Athens food bank and we ended up doing it to the Cincinnati free store food bank, but he just, I don't know, man, he just is a guy that I'm sure everybody wants to work with him, but he, he's like, we're salivating at that, the, the the thought of like all the stuff that could come if he has a nice long career in Cincinnati yeah. like we all hope yeah has. there's no doubt I've I've actually you know I've thought it would be a great story to do and I tried it it wanted to do it when he first got drafted on the business of Joe Burrow but it became impossible to do it because the business was so off you couldn't chart year over year stuff last year because everything was you know you couldn't chart tickets you couldn't really chart sales of stuff like it was really hard to look at the actual like monetary number but the ripples out into businesses like is the extraordinary stuff whether if you're going to a place like you know cook sporting goods or whatever like that that come from that and businesses like like yours would be too is it's just extraordinary when somebody like that sort of enters um the stratosphere yeah because you know i mean for Bengals fans especially they never get 
they never get the opportunity to say like, we got the guy that everyone wanted, mm-hmm. you know, it's always either been like a safe pick or a pick that has a lot of upside, but a lot to prove. You know what I mean? There's like, or it's a guy that long- the city appreciates and the rest of the league just sort of still kind of discounts, you know? Yeah. yeah. Nobody discounts Joe Burrow because of what he came in as. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, Jamar Chase might be that guy too. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping he is with, with their history. But he was another guy that's just like when the pick came in, hardly anybody was like, you know. Yeah. I don't know if that was the right way to go. It was almost just like, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, I wanted to, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about when you came up in comedy. You you worked at PG, right? I did. Yeah. And you were like, all right, this is for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a great job. If I was going to stay in corporate America, I would have had no issues working there. Um, but comparative to stand up when you put them side by side comedy, especially at that time in my life seemed like much more, um, you know, like I, the, I was at an age where I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I felt like if it didn't work out, I could still bounce back and that, uh, that job or a job like it would always be there. Yeah. Well, I, what I was really curious about was what it was like for you because you were basically doing comedy locally here for how long, how long did that period last until you started kind of leaving the city more often or I got lucky, honestly. Um, I did, it was about three and a half years from when I started my first open mic night until I quit PNG, which is pretty fast um, to go full time. But the reason that happened was the scene here wasn't really developed. There weren't a ton of, of local guys that were planning on making a career of it. So um, the guy who ran the open mic night when I started also worked at PNG and he was a couple years ahead of me in the business of standup. So he was leaving to go PNG to go do standup full time. And so I took over the open mic night. And what that did was it gave me all the stage time that I wanted, which is what made me better mm-hmm. faster. And so um, I had kind of been toying with leaving PNG, and then they announced cutbacks. And my job was safe, but before they said who had to leave, they said who wants to leave. And so I thought this is as good of a time as ever because I can, I can go give this a shot and they'll give me, you know, six months salary and benefits if I leave now. And that's what I used as my cushion to trans, you know, um, to, to move into full-time comedy. And then, and then that next, so I left in July, 2001 and then 2002, my first full year on the road, I was on the road 50 out of 52 weeks. Wow. And then, uh, and then that stage time was just what made me better. And I just tried to like keep pushing forward. All right, let's just take a quick break. Did you have, you know, a local act at first, you know, was it, how much was it based in like, you know, so much of where you, you know, growing up here and you're talking people from Cincinnati or, and how, or how much did you realize? I, I, I can't let it be that I have to grow it to be more general. I got lucky in that, um, there was a guy that actually pushed me to do my first open mic um, because I had told him that I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. And he 
he used to teach stand up. He had moved here to teach stand up from Los Angeles. And uh, when the boom of the, the comedy clubs died down, he uh, had to find work to support his family. And he kind of left that life behind. And when he met me, he was like, he just became immediately, um, he was dead set on making sure that I tried it at least once. And so for about four months up until the first time I did stand up, I would write jokes and I would take them to him and he would say, this is too easy of a laugh. Too many people talk about this. So-and-so has already done this bit, you know? And so it helped me avoid a lot of pitfalls when I first started that other people fall into. And so, um, so that helped me a lot. And, and with that, I didn't do a ton of local jokes until after I'd been doing stand-up a while and I was hosting at Go Bananas much more often that I felt like I could get away with just doing some local humor right up front. Yeah. And um, I remember, I don't know if I should share this or not, but I will. You should. You edit it out if you, you want. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so um, one, of, one of my best local jokes that people who were there still talk about was the first show after 9-11. And it was a, it was like a Thursday night. Um, and everybody was like, you know, I was the first comic that they were seeing after this had happened. And so I got on stage and I said, um, I was like, it's been a crazy week. You know, I'm still trying to process what happened earlier this week. You know, I said, me personally, I was in North Dakota over the weekend I came home on Sunday. I traveled like all day Sunday. And then most of the day Monday, I didn't get back until late Monday night. And I slept in Tuesday morning. And so I hadn't even really heard any news until Tuesday afternoon. And I just think about like what, you know, what we've all been through and, and, and trying to, you know, come to grips with what's happened this week. But the Bengals won their first game on Sunday. You know what I mean? And like, I, it was, you could have heard a pin drop in the room the whole time I was talking about it. Yeah. But I was like, I feel like we have to address this. And I don't remember the exact <laughs> words, but I was just setting up that the Bengals won their first or, or two in a row or something yeah. like that. Something had happened with the Bengals a couple of days before 9 11 that had, hadn't happened in forever. And I had just set it up like I was going to talk about 9-11, but it was about the Bengals. And people to this day still come up and they're like, dude, I was there. Yeah. I thought for sure you were going to make fun of 9-11 or whatever. And so I would always sprinkle in local humor and I still do. Yeah. You know, I talk about my neighborhood or, you know, here in Cincinnati uh, or here in Northern Kentucky. Um, but it's usually just to open the show because um, I, I want to write material that I can use anywhere. It's having just Cincinnati jokes. I save that for Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Well, congrats on, on the Oster Toaster showing up uh, on your, in your mentions. I noticed that, which is, did you see that? oh, I did. Well, I, I, I uh, if people haven't seen it, Google the, uh, Google the garage sale uh, bit that circulates on the internet. But I mean, uh, I saw somebody sent it to you and it's just hysterical that people still think about you when they see something like that in a garage sale. It's great. It is. You know, like I worked with Mitch Hedberg a lot. He's like my favorite comic of all time. Time. And I had some, I had this discussion with someone yesterday about you really feel like you've done something when when someone experiences something in their everyday life and the only thing they ever think of is you because you have a memorable bit about it. You know, like with Mitch Hedberg, it was 
when an escalator is broken or every time I see a Pringles can. Every or, time I buy a donut. Yeah, exactly. You get a receipt <laughs> for a donut, you think of Mitch Hedberg. Yep. You're a thousand percent right. And so, you know, to feel like I've written anything that someone will think of me in that situation, like where I come to mind, like it just, I can't even tell you how that makes me feel. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine the rising of a garage door to garage sale and the, you know, the out of the crouch, like the boy. I mean, that's yeah. all that, that stuff is like, that's so real. I actually, I have family members. I haven't, I have an aunt who was into yard sailing and like, I would just, she would talk about it for, you know, we, and to the point where I was writing down notes in case I ever found myself in a situation and I, it's, it, where, I, where I had to go to one, you know, so I knew how to do it well. And it's like, it's so detailed. And, and that's why I, that one always uh, connects yeah. with me. So I saw the toaster the other day. Crack, yeah, crack I get pictures of garage sales and then um and then people in Gatlinburg watching Taffy get made. Yeah. Those are the ones where people like I seem to come to mind. Or I'll tell you the other one, or is like when when KFC will do like a fried chicken candle or something like that, or or the book it program coming back, Pizza Hut just announced that the book it program is coming yeah. back, and I got tagged in that article by like 25 people it's just like i can't even wrap my head around it but it's pretty awesome yeah it's fantastic no i will say you i mean you mentioned mitch hedberg it's one of the things i'm most jealous about because i grew up i just a massive mitch hedberg from seeing him at go bananas when i was like in high school like i will never forget i've never i've never felt that level of like laughter in a room before where not it was just like you the literal like the 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 dumb cliche of I'm falling out of my chair. I actually saw like half the room literally fell out of their chair, like including me. <laughs> like we were, ev- no one could sit because he was just crushing like that. And I to that, then you start following him. He's so different. He's such a unique person. And then you told me yep. that he was like one of your idols. Can you? I think we have time for it. I, could you tell me the story about how he basically said, "Just where do you want to?" He just said to you, "Like where do you want to? Where do you want to do stand up?" Right. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember this, but there's a good chance if you saw him in high school here, yeah. I was I was opening for him probably because yeah. I think I did all but one of the times he played Cincinnati. But um, yeah, so when when I was at PNG, um, I was an IT guy, and we did uh, we had a bunch of Y2K stuff in 1999. Mm-hmm. You remember the whole Y2K of course, thing? Yeah. So I was working with Mitch that night. It was uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, I had to leave as soon as I got off stage to go work at Procter and Gamble at like one in the morning because they were worried about the Y two K stuff. And right before I walked out the door, he said, "Would you like to come open for me in uh, North Dakota here in a couple months?" And I was like, "Absolutely." That you know, it didn't matter where he said, but I was going to go. Yeah. Right? And it's Mitch Hedberg, and so. Um, so I took vacation from Procter and Gamble to go to North Dakota in February, which, you know, I heard about that forever. What are you doing? Why are you taking vacation to go to North Dakota in February? And when I was there, he tried to get me to quit my day job. He was like, call your boss. Tell him, you, tell him you're not coming back. You're going to stay on the road with Mitch. And I was like, Mitch, I can't quit my day job. Like there's, there's, I'm nowhere near ready. And he's like, it'll be fine. You should call him right now. And I was just like, dude, I can't do it. So fast forward, 2001, um, I, I decide I'm going to quit my day job in like 
April or something. And uh, July is going to be my last day. And so after I told my parents, the first person I called was Mitch. And I said, um, I was like, I, I wanted you to be the first person besides my parents to know that I'm, I'm quitting my job to do stand up full time. And he was like, man, that's awesome. He's like, what's, what's your first week as a professional comedian? And I was like, it's going to be like the third week of July. Uh, and he said, what's a club you've always wanted to go to, but have never been. And I was like, well, um, the Houston laugh stop is like really famous. And I've, I've always wanted to go there. He's like, I'll call you back. And he called <laughs> me back in like 10 minutes. And he was like, all right, your first week is a professional comedian. You're going with me to Houston. So he took me there. That's he awesome. booked a week just for me. Oh man. It's and incredible. Then, um, it's inc- and then that's what he would do every every month or so. He'd say, "How's it going? Where where are you trying to get into that you can't get into?" And I'd say Seattle or Atlanta or Nashville. And every time he'd call me back in a few minutes, "All right, we're going this state," <laughs> and he'd get me in there, and I would be okay after that. You know, they would ha- they would have me back once I got in the first time with him. But he was just, I mean, he was the best. I actually. They're working on a, the the startings of a documentary about him, and I got I got interviewed for it yesterday. Oh, really? Pre-interviewed. So hopefully that'll happen because I'm I'm all about anything that keeps the keeps the legacy alive because he was the best. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Like I, I, it's funny because on the outside, like we you fall in love with someone as a comedian, as their stage person. And to, since I've met you to find out some of these stories of him as, as a guy have just made the legend like even greater to me because <laughs> I just, he's, he's just a genius that no one has ever, nor will anyone ever replicate like the way yeah. that he did it. <laughs> like, it's just, it's yeah. incredible. If you, there's a album, uh, one of his albums is Mitch all together, which was put out by comedy central. And in the liner notes, is uh he thanks it says thanks josh sneed for quacky okay <laughs> and uh and the story behind that is that he did so much for me that i was never financially or in the business i was never in a position to repay him for all that he did for me so one time when we were in atlanta i was walking around the mall and i walked past a build-a-bear and they had koalas in there and you could do a thing where you could record a voice that when they press the paw, it would play whatever you recorded. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Mitch had all these jokes about koala bears. So <laughs> I went in and I made him a koala bear and I recorded myself doing my impression of him as though it was the koala talking back to him. <laughs> and I just gave him it as a thank you. And so him and his wife, Lynn, named it Quacky. And then they would use it to do fun stuff on the road and blame it on Quacky. They'd be like, where'd all this room service food come from? <laughs> Quacky, did you do this? Well, we can't let it go to waste. We might yeah. as well go ahead and eat it. And so that was, that, that's what Quacky is. But I have so many, I have so many great Mitch stories. Yeah. And, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to hang out one night and grab some food and I'll share more with you. Oh uh, yeah. I can't, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. And there's no doubt. Well, thanks for your, uh, Thanks for jumping on here and uh, and chat was good. It was good to catch up and I just I, I like I said at the beginning I just sort of wanted to find a time to talk to people that I like to talk to that I think are interesting and you know we have a Cincinnati audience here. I know Cincy Shirts is is awesome. Congratulations on everything that's been happening with that business Thank because you, you guys have been killing it and uh, obviously Bengals fans will be looking for 
lots of new opportunities to go print some stuff off uh, for themselves or or whatever when the season starts for sure. But not only that, you are going to be back on the road again in August, right? I am. I'm uh, I'm headlining Las Vegas for the first time, August second through the eighth at the MGM Grand. That's awesome. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm super stoked. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people are going to fly out for it. Uh, Brad, it's a Brad Garrett's comedy club, um, and he's actually going to be the MC for the week, which is even cooler. And then I'll have a more normal schedule in the in the fall and winter. I'm sure Cincinnati will be on there. So, you know, if people want to find me, it's just Josh Sneed on all the social and. I'll be for sure posting about my local shows, but I appreciate you having me, man. I'm a huge fan of yours. I love your writing. I love hearing you talk on the radio and you're just like, I don't know, man, you do, you do such a great job with like the X's and O's, but you also talk like a fan and you say the things that a lot of us think. And I don't know, it's always, it's always fun. Can't miss whenever, whenever you're on the radio. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Josh. And, uh, you know, I will be seeing you whenever you are, uh, whenever you're back in Cincinnati. And if you're at the game, of course, all right, I yep. a Bengals game or a Reds game. Um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to track you down and we can have a drink and share some more Mitch stories. Cause I can't get enough of those. Sounds good. Awesome. My friend. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Have a good one, man. You too.